actually want to start by talking about President Biden's press conference. Good afternoon. Before I take questions, I want to make give you a progress report to the nation on uh, on the, where we stand 65 days into office here. Were you watching the press conference? I was. Edward Isaac DeVere writes about politics for The Atlantic. He covered the Biden campaign, and he knows this administration well. We will, by my 100th day in office, have administered 200 million shots in people's arms. That's right. Well, I was really struck by something. You know, Biden comes out there, he makes his opening remarks, and he does talk about vaccination and, and school openings. And then that's it. There are no, no pandemic questions. Were you surprised by that? I think a lot of people were surprised by it. There were a lot of questions instead about the filibuster and several about whether he's going to run for re-election in 2024. But we are, uh, it's not like we're done with the pandemic. Maybe there weren't any questions about it because every day feels like an ongoing slog. And one of the things that makes this slog feel so unforgiving, so constant for so many people, is the lack of regular school. Now to the battle over reopening America's schools, with more than 40 percent of children in the U.S. still learning remotely. The one thing that seems clear to everybody is that many students are really struggling. And what also seems clear is that many teachers really don't want to go back to classrooms where they don't feel safe. So how to reconcile all of that? As vaccines slowly roll out and COVID cases continue to surge. So here's a run-on question I would have liked to put to the president last week. When will school be open across the country five days a week in a classroom? Will the Biden administration push local officials to make that happen? And what does good enough schooling even look like for the Democrats running the federal government and the national pandemic response? For what it's worth, Isaac is asking these questions, too. Yeah, it's a question at the intersection of public health, obviously the economy because of all the parents who need to go to back to work, union questions uh, with all the teachers and principals unions that are involved here, and just the logistics that are required to make this happen. But the funny thing for Biden, and I know funny is maybe not the right word for it, is that he's going to get the credit for it or he's going to get the blame for it if uh, the school situation works out or if it doesn't even though most of it is beyond his control. Today on the show, there's the reality of trying to open schools, and then there's the politics. Democrats and the Biden administration know that they will be judged by what happens in the next school year. Republicans know it, too, and they're trying hard to turn it to their advantage. I'm Lizzie O'Leary, in for Mary Harris, and you're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. There are a lot of different ways you can look at the school reopening debate. You can focus on the science or the labor concerns 
are the exasperated parents. But what Isaac did is look through the prism of politics and how the politicians are positioning schools as an election issue. And the thesis Isaac poses is, Democrats are blowing this. I don't think that you could talk to a parent of a school-age child (laughs) over the last year and not think that this is one of the most important questions facing them, if not the most important. It's the kind of thing that motivates parents in a visceral, visceral way. And Republicans have, it seems not unwisely, landed on this as a wedge issue to say, it's the Democrats that are keeping the schools from being open and hoping that they can turn some of those voters who were repelled by Donald Trump, but maybe not so into the Democratic Party overall and suspicious of how the Democratic Party can be catering to other interests, such as the teachers' union, the reliable boogeyman of politics, <laughs> and and not be serving the voters' interests or parents' interests or students' interests. That is the kind of thing that politicians look for. Before we get too deep into the the politics and some of the policy questions, I want to figure out kind of the reality of the numbers right now. What do we know data-wise about, you know, what percent of kids are in school and how that shakes out? It can get tricky, but it looks like we're at about half of kids who are in school. Biden said at his press conference he wanted to get it to a majority. We're getting close. That means some form of hybrid, maybe not full days, but there are very few students around the country who are in school in what a normal non-pandemic day length would be or even what that day would look like. The the exceptions are are places like Florida, where the governor there has been a COVID precaution skeptic, I guess is the best way to to put it, from the start. That's a polite way of putting it. And schools have stayed open in Florida for the most part. But if you look at, at most other places around the country, It is a patchwork at best of of where things are. What do we know about what parents want, you know, in terms of what public opinion says? Well, there are polls that show that parents are very concerned with safety. They don't want their kids to get sick. They don't want the kids to contract the virus and bring it home. There are cases that, of course, we hear about of a family getting sick because the child was carrying it, even though the child was not manifesting symptoms. So there's a lot of worry about that, but parents parents want their kids back in school, and you see that in a majority way, uh, but you also see the concerns, and uh, and again, because the it's hard to do a national poll on this because state by state, you're in different situations. But parents that have largely been understanding of the restrictions, but a growing impatience. I'm struck by something that I've seen in public opinion numbers. I was looking at some data from the Pew Research Foundation that shows that Black, Hispanic, and Asian adults are are more likely than white adults to say the risk to teachers and students of getting or spreading COVID should be given a lot of consideration in the reopening debate. And I guess I wonder, is the GOP thinking, like, we're aiming for this narrow band of, of white parents And those are the ones we might be able to move into our camp. When we're talking about swing voters, 
realistically, when Republicans talk about suburban voters, they're not talking about all suburban voters. They're talking about suburban white voters, usually of a certain education level, that Mm. they are hoping that they can swing back to them. The white, educated, middle-class voter is one of the biggest areas or one of the biggest demographics that dropped off from Republicans and went to Democrats under Donald Trump. Uh, a political operative said to me a couple weeks ago that the big question for 2022 and beyond is whether the Democrats were just renting the suburbs uh, for the last few election cycles or whether they have established a permanent hold on them. Hmm. Well, you have this quote in your story from Rory Cooper, who's a Republican strategist, and, you know, he's really been marshalling this message a lot. And he said what Democrats have to worry about is, are they going to start losing center-left suburban parents who are fed up with some of the special interests who help control Democratic politics? Here in Fairfax County, unreasonable union demands coupled with a flat-footed superintendent and school board have crippled what was once a premier district. The goalposts keep moving as they run out the clock on this school year and leave students behind. I think it's it, what he's getting at in that quote is the number of parents who have been dealing with Zoom school or childcare and trying to do their jobs and <laughs> fed up after over a year of this kind of living. And when they hear things like, well, the teachers union doesn't want to go back to school um, or the teachers don't want to go back, then that has the potential to pull at that very visceral response that uh, sometimes happens with voters to say, well, I'm fed up with that. And of course that I'm fed up with it, you know, just enough with all of this, is very much what powered Donald Trump into the presidency and, and powers Trumpism. And if that can be tapped into by Republicans in a, a real way, then potentially that's good news for them electorally. In a minute. Edward Isaac DeVere takes us through the upcoming elections that might show whether this is a winning message for Republicans. That's after the break. One reason to love 2021, this is an off-year election-wise. We get a bit of a reprieve from campaign fever, and that means there are only a few elections coming up city and state-level contests that will test out whether the Republican strategy of hammering Democrats on schools is working. We're looking at, uh, at most, four big races this year. One is for governor of New Jersey. The governor there is a Democrat running for re-election. He is so far not looking like he's going to have much of a challenge. There's an open race for governor in Virginia. And in that race, uh, where there are a lot of suburban parents, uh, as in New Jersey, there are a lot of suburban parents who would potentially be affected by this question of school reopenings. That could be a competitive race. And we've seen one of the Republican candidates, a guy named Pete Snyder, really embrace this open the schools message as, as what he's talking about. Yeah, that's like the billboard phrase, right? Exactly. Open it's, the schools. It, it, yep. I'm running for governor to open up our schools five days a week every week with a teacher in every classroom. Chip in, help us get in California, we almost certainly will have a recall election for Gavin Newsom, the governor there. And the school reopening issue has been a big one in California, in part 
because there's been this fight with the, the teachers union there very prominently of whether they would get priority of uh, in the vaccination line and whether they would then commit to going back into the classrooms. The teachers union has not done that so far. And then <laughs> the other race, and it's not really as much of a partisan race uh, because it's New York City, is, is for mayor of New York. That's an open race, too. And there's a pretty crowded primary on the Democratic side. Within the Democratic race, though, it's become an issue. And some of the candidates have taken shots at the teachers union in particular or at the incumbent mayor, Bill de Blasio, for not doing enough to to open the schools. And so even among Democrats, it's a fight. But will that give us a great sense of where voters stand on this and what kind of issue it'll be into 2022? Probably not. And, and of course, by the time that... Uh, It'll be midterms and House and Senate races and most of these other governor's races will be up in the fall of 2022. We'll have been through a whole additional school year and into the next one. So who knows what what this will look like by then. All of this, of course, is is running, as you said, into the Biden administration and kind of where they are and what they can do. And in terms of breaking that out into policy power and messaging power— What's potentially more effective for them? Well, in terms of policy, there's a lot of money in the American Rescue Plan, the the stimulus package that was passed, to go out to states for expanding programming and facilities and resources in schools. Uh, So theoretically, that will help. It's not like the checks that are appearing in bank accounts directly, so it's a little bit more amorphous and yeah. whether voters will realize that that's what's what's happened there is unclear. That seems like a hard thing to message like oh these these air handlers showed up in your, you know, district school because of the rescue play. Like that's a very complicated thing to get to a parent at drop off. Absolutely and and so that's why the question really does come to are there going to be parents at drop off? Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and this is it's hard to make the argument to voters writ large that you've done some things around the edges that have made it a little bit better to maybe get to opening schools versus schools are open or schools are closed. And that's what the, the Biden administration is uh, staring down at this point. Are they able to use soft power to sort of jawbone some of these big districts? I mean, I think about New York City, where I am, the largest public school district in the country, L.A., Chicago. These are Democratic strongholds, and they are very visible targets. They are. And there's been success in getting all the parties to the table and getting things reopened in Chicago and in Philadelphia, also both big school districts and and big Democratic areas. So what Biden's role here could be is very much a bully pulpit type role, continuing to say, we need to get the schools reopened. I'm there to uh, help with it. But if it seems like the mainstream position is open the schools, then, of course, there's that creates political pressure on the people who don't want to open the schools. If yeah. it seems like the Democrat who's sitting in the Oval Office is talking about opening the schools all the time, that makes it harder for Democratic officials who are 
anywhere else in the country to not be for opening the schools. Well, I wonder about how that part plays within the Democratic Party, right? Because if you're a Democrat, you don't want the president of the United States saying or implying that the mayors of some of your biggest cities or the governors of your states are not doing their part. That feels really delicate. Yeah, especially if it's, uh, you imagine uh, 15 months from now, Democratic Congressman X, how do you defend schools not being opened in your district when the Democratic president is saying schools should be open all around the country? That is, that's a hard thing to get around. <laughs> but when I think about where we where we are in time, both within the pandemic and within election cycles, why do Republicans see this as a winning issue for themselves now? Because as you've mentioned, right, we've got like a few races. Is it possible that there's a sort of relative dearth of any other reliable wedge issue right now because the Republican Party is in such a strange place post-Donald Trump? Look, you see the Republican Party, uh, I think it was 18 senators, Republican senators, who went down to the border over the weekend to try to get the talk of a border crisis elevated and, and expanded in people's minds. Will that become the issue that uh, they're able to talk about a lot? It certainly was a major and important issue in the 2014 midterms for Republicans, and they did very well because of it. Uh, schools obviously touches all parts of the country. It is almost like the, the dream wedge issue <laughs> um, for any politician. And that's why the, the, the trick here for Democrats is to try to figure out how to take it off the table. When do you think we're going to have our first sense of how this might play out? Like, what are, what are the data points you're waiting for? Well, we'll know by July at the latest what a lot of the public school plans are going to be uh, for opening and whether you'll see districts and states making the decision to have kids come back to school. That is uh, not going to be an easy conversation in most of these places. I think you'll probably see some states that do things differently depending on where you are in the state. In New Jersey, for example, I mentioned the governor is one of the ones who's up for election, but there are hundreds of school districts there. So not even the governor has control over what's going to happen in all parts of New Jersey. And in fact, in Montclair, which is right outside of New York City and New Jersey, that's nationally talked about as a district that they just can't figure out a way to get everybody to agree with, uh, on what to do. And so those schools have remained largely closed, whereas other parts of New Jersey have uh, the schools open. And then you see private schools in New Jersey that are open as normal, except with masks on and testing as part of the regime. But when they make the policy for what next year is going to be, then you'll see how much of a give there is to the pressure to reopen. I think that we are at this weird stage in the pandemic where it does feel like we're starting to see the end of it, but we don't know whether actually the variants are going to sprout up in a complicated way that will lead us to continuing our lockdown lives. And there's a lot of trepidation about that in 
the administration. We don't quite know what the situation is going to be, but what we definitely know is that if if Joe Biden is going to be seen as being a successful president at all, his only hope is that by this time next year, it seems like we are back to mostly normal. Isaac Devere, thank you very much. Thank you. Edward Isaac Devere is a staff writer at The Atlantic. His book, Battle for the Soul, is coming out on May 25th. It's about the last four years of democratic politics. All right, that's the show for today. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Danielle Hewitt, Carmel Del Shad, Davis Land, and Mary Wilson. Our fearless leaders are Allison Benedict and Alicia Montgomery. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Lizzie O'Reilly. It's spelled like Lizzie O'Reilly. Very Lucille Bluth. R.I.P. Jessica Walter. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in the feed on Friday for your weekly dose of What Next TBD.